The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. And that's because the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe has some great features like the available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads, and much, much more. So think about those places that you want to go, the things that you'd like to do this weekend and where the Santa Fe can take you. Learn more about the all new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Freaking first cut. Golly. Welcome to the First Cut Podcast. I'm Rick Gaiman, and this is your DFS preview for this week's Hero World Challenge. And joining me to break it all down, it's him. It's Sia Najad. Sia, welcome to the show. I missed you last week, Rick. <laughs> I'm, I'm missing our DFS shows. It's just a weird time of year. I mean, we have NFL to save us a little bit, but I, I, I think, I genuinely believe this. I think DFS golf is the best DFS it, uh, of any sport i it's, genuinely believe that it's not even close um right. it has all the great things that nfl has which is it's once a week uh so it gives you time to research and you get like the news cycle or whatever but uh it doesn't have positions see ya. that's that to me is the key you can make really any lineup you want as long as it fits within the salary cap restraints you don't have to worry about you know deciding which three running backs or whatever i want to use yeah, I mean, the, the downside is, and I don't know if you consider this downside, maybe we don't, but it's less predictability, right? Because in the NFL, well, you have sure. volume that you can lean on with running backs, with receivers. You know your quarterback's going to touch the ball pretty much every play. In golf, you don't have the volume predictability to lean on necessarily. The other negative in DFS golf is that there is no correlation between one golfer and another golfer. In football, uh, well, I can look at what the Vegas line is. I can take a quarterback a wide and two wide receivers from a team that is projected to score a lot of points and if you know if that comes through it helps my lineup it's there's nothing connecting golfer a from golfer b to golfer c to golfer d and so on right which means you just have to be right six out of six times like the yes. six golfers you pick you, you just kind of have to be right on all of them because you're not correlating anything yeah we we are going to talk dfs today however uh, quite a busy Monday in the world of golf. The unfortunate passing of Lee Elder. We want to talk about that. Tiger Woods uh, not only scheduled for a Tuesday presser at the Hero World Challenge, but uh, also did a little piece with a little interview with Golf Digest, which we're certainly going to want to dive into uh, in upcoming episodes. So keep a look out for that on Tuesday. And if that wasn't enough, Sia, some of the biggest names in the world have decided they're going to go to Saudi Arabia uh, and play instead of Pebble Beach. So there, there's, there's a lot going on right now. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. I guess that's what the offseason is for or what, whatever we call this. So uh, golf stays in the news 24-7, uh, 12 months out of the year. So, you know, that's that's pretty cool. It is pretty cool. Let's focus on the event that's going on in the Bahamas this week. And I'm going to share my screen here. This is my website, rickrungood.com. I'm showing you the course key stats tool because see, we've got ourselves a really interesting one. This is Tiger's event. He's the host. He's obviously not playing, but a stacked field of 20 golfers with no cut. So uh, speaking about how unique this is, 
you know, at the tour championship, you roster six of the 30 golfers in the field. You have 20% of the entire field in every single one of your lineups, closer to 33% of the entire field in every single one of your lineups this week. It, it really is going to be a bit of game theory and kind of interesting ways to, to find yourself atop the leaderboards. Yeah, I think it's for me. It's going to be a lot of a lot more game theory than anything else. Uh, the the one lineup I've made so far, and I don't even know in this event if this is really a big deal, but I think it is. I left twenty six hundred on the table. There's mm. just that's that I figured I know I'm going to be different leaving. It's one thing if you're leaving at this event. It's one thing if you're leaving probably four hundred to a thousand on the table. I think a lot of people might be doing that, but uh, that. My first lineup, I was very satisfied with the players in the lineup. And I thought from a game theory standpoint, I was doing okay as well. So that's sort of my approach, no pun intended, here. Hmm. And we'll see if it works out. We will see if it works out. I think that is certainly a way to get yourself uh, less duped, more unique, which gives you a chance to win all of the money instead of just maybe a portion of it. But a course designed by Ernie Els, believe it or not, a fairly new course. I think it's only 10 or 11 years old. It's played host to this event for five years. Uh, no longer do we have ourselves one of these driving accuracy uh, type courses. You can kind of bomb it away. You might end up in some of the sand if you are missing uh, if you're missing the fairways, which puts you at at kind of risk of whatever lie you're going to draw. But Sia, this is, again, a no-cut event. There are only 20 golfers. Uh, generally speaking, when it comes to fantasy scoring, birdie makers, guys that can that can pile them up. I mean, even even some of the names in the $7,000 and $6,000 range this week, they're, they're legitimate names just because of how the pricing had to roll itself out. Oh, I totally agree. You're going to be really satisfied with the names you see in that six and seven and eight K range. Uh, and, and there's plenty of birdie makers in that range. There's plenty of guys that are um, big time uh, guys in strokes game par five or par five scoring like that. And that I think uh, th that's just one of the the few factors I'm I'm leaning on outside of just the standard metrics of, of approach and, you know, around the green and putting and, and, and things of that nature. But uh, yeah, it's one of those things you can't really go wrong with, I would say, 60% of the field. Well, let's dive into that field. Uh, as mentioned, only 20 of them. So I don't even have to scroll on the cheat sheet here. And I figure, see, uh, uh, let's just go through every single one of them, right? Let's I mean, what are we it. doing here if we're not talking about every single golfer? Agree. Let's do it. That sounds awesome. <laughs> Rory McIlroy, $10,800, fresh off a victory at the CJ Cup and another close call in his most recent event on the European Tour. That was the DP World Tour Championship. Uh, it was a T6, but it was a disappointing Sunday because he went into the final round as the leader, Sia. When you are looking at the price tag of Rory McIlroy and comparing it to his peers, knowing that he's played by all means, fairly well recently. How much Rory McIlroy exposure is there for you to get? Probably not a ton. And it's not because I think Rory's in bad form. Clearly, he's in great form. And, and uh, if it wasn't for, you know, Colin taking down that tournament, I mean, he he really took control at the DP. So that's 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 great on him. That's a guy I probably like a little bit better than Rory. But I don't know. I, I just I feel like a lot of people are going to be playing Rory this week and for good reason. And that's part of the reason I'm going to be off. But he certainly seems like a good course fit here. He's finally in the type of form where there's some consistency there where I don't think we really saw that last year. We were like, oh, is this is there good Rory back? And then he would disappoint us, you know, the next tournament or two. So I think he's a fine play, but I'm probably not not going to be rostering him. Yeah, I'm, I'm OK with that. I'm lukewarm. Um, it, it's a little bit of 
anti-Rory, not anti, not completely anti-Rory at the moment, but if you're looking at the screen, his his metrics off the tee have been phenomenal. He's been absolutely everything you'd expect from Rory McIlroy with the driver. His approach play has been pretty sour, at least in the last four measured events. He's lost strokes in each of them, which see, uh, when I think of peak Rory, I think driver, I think being able to hit his irons, his long irons, especially in his wedges, better than most, and then hoping that the putter kind of carries him. We're not really seeing. We're, we're seeing a really strong putter out of him. We're seeing him struggle on approach play, but the driver is the best in the world. So it's just not the purest form of Rory, which I don't know if that scares me or not. Well, it scares me, but I think Rory is the type of guy where, and, and a lot of these guys in the elite range, they're, they're the type of guys where would it surprise you if all of a sudden he's yeah. you know gaining two on approach and and he's right. killing it with the driver and the putter? Probably not. So I mean, for me. It's a, it's a no, probably, but I think he can certainly turn the approach play around. All right, next up, Colin Morikawa, who, um, <laughs> I don't know, might might be the best player in the world. He wins a lot, see. I mean, it's pretty crazy. Fresh off his victory at the DP World Tour Championship, the event uh, that we were just referencing with uh, with Roy McElroy's Dozo Championship. He popped up top 10 there, nearly came back and won after a slow start at the Summit Club, finished runner-up there. He's the best ball striker on the planet. When he's a positive putter, he basically wins. It, it's, is it just a matter of hoping that the this is one of the one out of every four or five weeks he putts well and he's probably going to be in contention? Yeah, I mean, in the top three, he's definitely my favorite guy. And, and I think you're right that he is in that conversation for best player in the world. I don't, I don't know that I'm willing to give him that quite yet over like John Rahm, for example. But he's certainly in the conversation and he checks a lot of the boxes here. I mean, you, you mentioned the ball striking, but if we look at strokes gain par five as well, um, it, actually strokes gain par five over the last 36 and ball striking. He's number two in this field. So, you know, all the other boxes, as you can imagine, number two on approach as well. Um you know, my overall rank, he's not he's not a super good value because he's he's fourth in my overall rank. But, you know, it's we're we're, we're splitting hairs at this point. Yeah. And I think ownership, um, especially this being a big game theory week, will kind of drive a lot of these decisions because the only other golfer above ten thousand dollars at ten thousand two hundred is Justin Thomas. And see, I doubt I will be alone, but um, I, I, I'm like. JT might just win this. I think he's just he's just gonna win this golf tournament. That's that's kind of where I'm at on this Monday afternoon. <laughs> I, I I don't mind it. He's another guy. Again, keep, keep in mind I'm I'm leaving a lot of money on the table in in a lot of the in a lot of the uh, tournaments that I'm going to be playing. But these numbers don't lie. Like if you're watching this on YouTube, I mean, can you get more consistency and just I don't even know what to call this. The approach play, it, it, it's it's upside plus consistency. It's just yeah, really really good golf. I'll tell you what I call it. I call it the blueprint. Uh, this is this is kind of what Justin Thomas does. So if you're if you're not watching on YouTube, uh, he's gained uh, at least two strokes on approach in each of his last six measured events. When JT does this, a win is close. Uh, we've seen this time and time again. He starts to round into form and maybe it's just the driver that lets him down for a week and then he wins or the putter lets him down for a week and then he wins. This this is the blueprint for Justin Thomas. You now get to throw in the fact that this is uh, a no-cut event. He gets to take the extra motivation of this being Tiger's event. They're very, very close. I, I have no doubt Justin Thomas is showing up this week, Sia, with eyes on winning. And I only say that because there are certainly guys who are going to treat this event as a vacation. I agree with you there. I'm, I'm, I'm all about, you know, riding narrative street, but I will say this, it is very frustrating to watch Justin Thomas putt sometimes. 
and whatever. <laughs> Sometimes, you know, most yeah, of the time, yeah. <laughs> yeah, most of the, and, 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 and whatever, you know, he can pop with the putter too. So, uh, you know, I get it. That, that That's a statement you could make for almost anybody in this field. But it's just one of those things. It's it, it's the one watch out, I would say. But with what he's doing from a ball striking, particularly approach standpoint, it's it's hard to overlook Justin Thomas. Let's go on down to the $9,000 range, and there's only – Two of them. <laughs> One, Victor Hovland, ninety nine hundred. Bryson DeChambeau, ninety three hundred. Where you you call it, Sia? Where do you want to start? Uh, let's start with your best friend, Victor Hovland. I think that's I think that's the way to go. And speaking oh. of guys that are probably going to be, I don't know, considered a, a top three or five golfer over maybe the, these next twelve months. I think because we just mentioned it with respect to Colin Morikawa, how he might actually be the best player in the world. Maybe I don't know. I think Hovland is is really close to that conversation. And I don't want to say you're get like you got a roster Victor Hovland because look at the discount you're getting. He's in the 9K range. Like let's let's leave pricing aside a little bit. Like this is a much different tournament. I mean, we've got we've got just heavy hitters in the in the six thousand range. So it's you know, like yeah. Webb Simpson, Brooks Kepka. So um I like Hovland. I you know, I I wonder if the short game gets him in trouble. I mean, you know. I think what we're looking for here is to check a lot of boxes. These are obviously elite players. And the one box that maybe Victor Hovland doesn't check, which may actually come into play here, is that around the green game. Uh, yeah. Am I willing to overlook it? I don't know. Maybe. I mean, he, at this tournament, I'm probably looking elsewhere because I, I know Hovland is generally a pretty popular name, but I certainly like him. Yeah, so and I don't think you're wrong, right? With these are smaller than average greens, you can get yourself into a little bit of tricky situations around the green. Now, the the defense for Victor and his statistically, I mean, it's, it's improving, but statistically below average short game is to just fire away at every pin and never miss a green. That that's the defense. Mm-hmm. Now, I, I will say uh, what the, the the angle that I like Victor from the most, and and I'm showing this on the screen right now is essentially from his floor. He's the only guy in this field who not only gains a half a stroke per round off the tee, but a half a stroke per round on approach. And when you have those two facets of the game, very critical facets of the game, where you are one of the best at it, even when you have a bad week around the green or a bad week with the putter, you're going to be in the top whatever percentage of the field. So he gives himself a really solid floor. Um, and then if, if things fall right, he obviously has, has winning upside as we've seen. So that's kind of the way that I treat that I treat Victor. Now, uh, Bryson, on the other hand, Sia, uh, probably could not be more opposite. I, I mean, he is, he is uh, volatile by design. And I want to know if we're taking anything away from what we saw at the win during the match in those nine holes that he was able to last. Not really. You know, it's funny. I think with Bryson, he loves the attention to be on him so much. But I think here it might have worked against him because it was just him and Brooks. And I think once things start unraveling for Bryson, <laughs> and by the way, I'm I'm really going down Narrative Street here a little bit. But I love it. W- w- once things start unraveling a little bit with Bryson and he knows the cameras are on him 24-7, I think that really plays with him a little bit. And and especially losing to Brooks of all people in that one and uh, on that in that match. Uh I so and that's why I'm kind of like, yeah, yeah, doesn't really doesn't really worry me. I, I don't know that I would be rostering him anyway, though. So if we take that out of it, I'm not sure I want to play Bryson over. I mean, listen, <laughs> there's so many guys like I know. Wait till we get the, to the 8K range. <laughs> Five guys below Bryson are guys that I like better than Bryson, regardless of whether the match occurred. 
Yeah, I would say, I think, and, and we'll see this as we get closer. Um, there's a chance Bryson comes in at fairly low ownership. You know, in, 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 in the, in the NFL world, Sia, it would be like getting beat up on Monday night football for the world to see. And now that kind of impacts, you know, your, your line the following week. So we'll see what the public does with Bryson. I think you can only roster Bryson in a scenario where you want volatility. That is, that's, that's him by design. Yes. But also, if you miss, you can get into some really awkward spots here. If you miss the fairway, you're kind of at the mercy of the lie that you get in the sands, which is uh, what we've seen over the years. So you're actually adding an additional layer of luck, an additional layer of volatility into all of this. So um, if he comes in really low owned and you know he's got high upside, you might want to consider him. But that's probably the only path I get to I get to Bryson. Totally agree. He, he shouldn't be at the price he's at. Let's put it that way. <clears throat> Okay, if you like two guys in the $9,000 range, I've got two in the $8,000 range. Xander Shoffley, Jordan Spieth. You get first crack at it again. Where do you want to go? Oh, I'd want to go to Xander over Jordan Spieth. In spite of the fact that, again, I, I keep, I've said game theory how many times already in this, in this show, I think Xander is going to be super popular because, A, we've got a no-cut event. Yeah. Xander is in, you know, pretty good form. He had a, he had a pretty good um, just year last year. And I think people yeah, are just going to be leaning on him at that price. Yeah. So here are the no cut numbers. So when, when Sia says it's a no cut event, I mean, this is backed by data, right? So going back to 2010 in no cut events, uh, Rory McIlroy is number one. Justin Thomas is number two. Sam Burns is three, but he only has 16 rounds. So we kind of kick him out of there. And then Xander Shoffley uh, is third, 128 rounds in no cut events. He's gaining nearly 1.3 strokes. Uh, per round. He's got a couple of victories in scenarios like this. So that's kind of why you get the Xander Shoffley narrative when we start going down this path here. And he's so well-rounded. Again, another golfer that I think has an incredibly high floor, Sia. You're, you're unlikely to get burned. And I'll even go out on a limb. I guarantee he finishes inside the top 20. I, I just absolutely, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> absolutely I'm, I'm guarantee it. <laughs> I'm laying the hammer on a, on a top 20 for Xander. There's no question about it. Jordan Spieth. Uh, congratulations to the Spieth, Sammy Spieth, uh, welcome to the world, baby swag narrative. Hmm. Is that about it, Sia? I mean, I'm, I'm looking at a guy who's lost strokes on approach in four of his last five, which has been a very strong correlator to his success over the years. It, the magic beans have not been the putter. It's not been the short game. It's been the approach play. Um, I, I, I worry about this. I must admit. Yeah, I'm, I kind of worry about it as well. I think, and also, I think he's a big enough name where, and, and, and at this price, I think people are going to want to play Jordan Spieth. So it almost makes it a double negative, right? Because I don't think you're getting, and I don't know what the ownership's going to end up being, but I don't think you're getting the benefit of a guy that's in relatively bad form relative to his, his normal play or what we consider his normal play. I don't think you're getting the benefit of, oh, I'm going to be off Jordan Spieth because of that. I think people are going to see Jordan Spieth, 8,300. Oh, I think I want to play him a little bit. Couple of good results here in recent years as well. A couple of top six finishes in three or in two of his last three starts. Do you think there's anything to the fact that we haven't played this event in two years and that there might be a lot of people like, is this event unique enough to cause fits in people's mind as they go and build a lineup with essentially a third of the field in every single lineup, trying to leave money on the table, not really seeing a 20 man field for the last two years? I mean, I'm not, I'm not really factoring that in. So I don't, I don't think so. Okay. I don't think so either. I just, it's just kind of weird. It'll be weird when I, I, I am not you. I've not started building lineups yet, but um, I think it'll be weird when I start. Yeah. I, I mean, back into the groove. Candidly, I've only built the one 
because I, I just always do that right when pricing comes out. It was fun. I mean, it, for, for whatever reason, I, I enjoyed it. I, I didn't enjoy the DraftKings selection as much. I haven't really over the last couple of months. I don't think it's been up to par, but uh, hopefully that'll change sometime soon. But yeah, I put in a lot of it. It was really fun. I loved leaving money on the table. This is the perfect tournament to do it. We're going to get to some larger tiers here, and we're going to talk about names that we've probably never talked about in the $7,000 or $6,000 range. But first, we're going to take a break and hear a word from our partners. Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. You can earn four times points on your top two eligible spending categories every month, like transit, U.S. restaurants, and gas stations. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Four times points on up to $150,000 in purchases per year. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. Is your child struggling with a specific subject or need help with homework? Are they asking questions that you're not sure you can fully answer? IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids. It covers math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed. This program will improve your kids' grades. Studies done in almost every state in the country. The kids who had IXL are consistently doing better. Powered by advanced algorithms, IXL gives the right help to each kid no matter the age or personality. And it doesn't have to eat up all your time. One subscription gets you everything for all the kids in your home, pre-K to 12th grade. So don't miss out. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com audio. Visit IXL.com audio to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. And we're back. Let's jump into the $7,000 range here. Sia and Scotty Scheffler leads the way. A couple of really close calls uh, in Mayakoba and Houston. Didn't play as well at the RSM Classic, but stock seems to be very high on Scotty Scheffler right now. I think a lot of people are just waiting for the breakthrough. Uh, and I'm I'm in the same boat there. I think Scotty Scheffler is, is, is the type of guy, and he's in the type of range where uh, he, he could absolutely win this tournament, in my opinion. So, you know, there's definitely volatility with Scotty Scheffler and you're just going to have to, you're just going to have to pay for that, you know, win or lose, you know, he can definitely, you know, he's not missing the cut, but he, he, I don't think I'm going to be able to turn away from Scotty Scheffler. And in fact, the, the lineup that I had $2,600 left over, he was definitely one of the staples in that lineup. I have a really difficult time with Scotty just because uh, I, I think he, I, I know that he's very good, but he's not unique enough for me to be like here are the six courses that he's going to have success at we've seen him play well at major championships he had a close call at mayakoba that's a completely different type of court i, I just maybe it, it is definitely like a um a testament to how great he is see but i have a very difficult time because he can probably win at a lot of different courses in a lot of different fields at a lot of different events yeah, I totally agree. And, and that's why it's it's with Scotty, you're just embracing the volatility. I mean, the upside is definitely there. My he's growing to be one of my favorite golfers on planet Earth. Sam Burns is next. He's seventy five hundred dollars. Uh, Bermuda Burns, who gets that name because uh, Bermuda grass is by far his best putting surface, has played four events this season. See, ya. Uh, his worst finish. That was a T14 at the Shriners. He has a fifth place finish at Summit Club, a seventh in Houston, and oh yeah, that victory at Sanderson Farms. He he is really 
proving to be an incredibly talented, high upside, uh, dynamic PGA Tour golfer. Yeah, and it's seventy five hundred on DraftKings. I mean, well, he's going to be he's going to be the most, most highly owned golfer on the slate, right? Um, yeah, he'll be the most highly owned. Yeah, absolutely at seventy five hundred, absolutely. And so that's that's the thing. So a couple things to consider there if you're going to roster Sam Burns. You know, you, you you probably want to get different. Make sure you leave a lot of money on the table. Get different elsewhere. That that's just my opinion because it's such a short field and he's going mm-hmm. to be popular. You're probably not passing a lot of the field with Sam Burns, but should he be in your lineup? Probably. I mean, it's just one of those things. It's like you got to take the good with the bad. And the good is those metrics that we just showed on the screen. I mean, it's kind of it's kind of a remarkable everything is popping. It's not even like, it's not even that there's volatility there. Really. There's a couple, you know, a couple red rectangles there, but it's generally like dark green. The guy's absolutely crushing it, particularly on approach. Uh, He's going to, he's going to be a scorer. He's going to get the DK points for you. Um, There's nothing bad to say about Sam Burns. It is. uh, Is it outrageous to think that he might be 40 or 50% owned? You know, normally, if someone gets over 20%, okay, now you're you're starting to get really, really chalky. But in this type of situation, maybe it's actually more than that. Because in a full field, um, you know, let's call it 140, if 20% is pretty highly owned, now you're cutting the field by a fraction. I mean, what what are some of the highest owned golfers? What are their ownerships gonna look like this week? Oh, I think Burns, I would I would bet, I'd be willing to put money on the fact that he eclipses 45%. And I, it wouldn't shock me at all if he's like 57% or something crazy like that. Again, it's a 20-person field. And even if those, there are people that are going to be like, listen, I don't want to roster Sam Burns because everybody's going to be rostering him. But again, you can still roster him and get different elsewhere. I mean, from a pure game theory standpoint, I don't think you should roster him. But again, you can operate on that game theory outside of the Sam Burns selection. Scotty Scheffler making his debut at this event, Sam Burns making his debut at this event, and Abraham Answer at $7,300 making his debut in this event. And Sia, uh, he did play in Dubai, finished 27th over there, so we have seen him more recently, a top 10 at Mayakoba, which is starting to really be uh, a staple to see him on the pa- on the first page or two of the leaderboard. Is this a spot where Answer can contend and compete? Well, you mentioned it earlier that there's some people that are coming here to win and mm-hmm. some people that are coming here like, yeah, they want to win, of course. But like, are they are they really locked in? I think answer is going to be one of those guys that's locked in and maybe slightly overlooked. I, I think he's fine here. I, I think he's a guy that, uh, you know, he's definitely got some blemishes, particularly around the green lately. Yeah. But I think he's a guy that if he's overlooked, he might be a pretty smart play. Does he have actual win equity? Not really, but. I I think he's a pretty smart play considering some of the guys around him that are going to be super, super popular. Yeah. I lump answer into the Scotty Scheffler, which is like, I, I, it's hard for me to deploy them in situations. And I, I haven't been super burned by it uh, too often, but this, this feels like that could be this week. Daniel Berger is next. He's $7,200. See ya. And I find Daniel Berger to be incredibly fat, fascinating. We have not seen him play in what is coming up on three months, right? No, wait, all of September, all of October. All, yeah, like three months. Because the last time we saw him was the Tour Championship. Now, uh, every event from the Tour Championship to his victory at Pebble Beach, Sia, he gained strokes on approach. So it's not like he's played poorly. We just haven't seen him. And I feel like that 
mystery or the or, or or forgetting that he exists. I feel like that is the one thing left uh, in kind of DFS golf that that will keep ownership down. Agree. And Daniel Berger is normally really popular, right? Especially when he's sort of in that third or fourth tier of, of pricing. He's really popular this week. Maybe not so much. I mean, again, this is all relative, right? He's going to be popular, obviously, because it's a 20 person field. These approach numbers are pretty staggering. Yeah. I mean, I, I like, wow, it's really the putter that's gotten in his way over the last few tournaments and prevented him probably from top tening in every single one of those. So I, can he turn the putter around? Absolutely. The last time we saw him was September. I mean, it's been a while. And so I, I, I absolutely think the putter may have come around since then. If the approach play is anywhere near what it was, I don't know, over the last year, I think you're getting a tremendous value at a slightly lower ownership. Yeah. So I'll go back to the stat that I mentioned with Victor Hovland, which was since the start of the 2021 season. So the, the nine events or whatever we've played plus everything from the previous season, uh, Hovland was, uh, one of the top ball strikers. I mentioned he was gaining about a half a stroke or more in both categories. Well, Berger's the fourth best ball striker in this field during that stretch. So it's Bryson, Morikawa, Hovland, Berger, and Berger's a few thousand dollars cheaper than some of those other guys. So I, I, I'm very intrigued to see what the ownership numbers look like as we kind of get closer to, to Thursday morning's lock because um, maybe there'll be a late push for Berger to, 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 to grab some ownership here from like Sam Burns or somebody. Actually, I guess you could roster them both. Yeah. Next up. Uh, let me find my spot. The, the last golfer in the $7,000 range, Tony Finau. Uh, it has not been a particularly great run for Tony Finau as of the last couple of tournaments, but uh, we know the talent. We know the birdie-making prowess. And when you get guaranteed four rounds, I feel like you got to give Tony a little bit of a boost, even though I'm still kind of concerned about what his prospects are for this week. Yeah, I, and I, exactly. I, I'm not going to be on Tony Finau this week. I think you know, Tony Fina is usually a little bit more popular than I expect week to week. I wonder what that's going to look like this week because he's been pretty bad, pretty on Tony Fina like uh, over the last three tournaments in particular. Not for me. I, I'm just not. I'm not going to. There's there's just uh, there. The play has been pretty erratic, especially with the putter. And he's not really like with, with Berger. You see the approach play and, and you're like, OK, the approach play plus a zero putter. This guy can really pop. But I'm not really seeing it with Tony Fina. And therefore, it's just it's a no for me. I tend to agree. He's lost like 12 strokes putting over his last three starts. Uh, I can find better options. One of those might be in the $6,000 range, Brooks Kepka, $6,800. And uh, uh, see, I'm not going to look it up, but I imagine this is uh, the cheapest that Brooks has been in quite some time, <laughs> obviously with this very unique nature of this event. Uh, missed his two cuts going into the match, uh, and we saw him play – nine holes against Bryson DeChambeau. What is the current kind of state of the game for Brooks Kepka? Well, for me, it, he's definitely a no. I, I didn't really glean anything from the match in terms of confidence in rostering Brooks Kepka. Uh, I mean, I good for him. He played a few really good holes and Bryson was pretty much terrible all around, but it doesn't really tell me anything. Um, the narrative of he's he only wants to you know win in in majors. I've never really bought into that. I think that's, kind of weird but i feel like brooks is kind of he's really kind of like candidly telling us that that's kind of what he's all about and maybe that's a show maybe that's an excuse for for doing poorly in some of the the lesser events but 
I think Brooks is going to get a bump from the match. I think he's going to get a bump from the 6,800 price tag. And that's why there's just no reason for me to invest in him this week. Yeah, like I would love to invest at 6,800, but I think you're right. And let's be clear, Brooks beat the pants off of Bryson, but I'm not sure it's because Brooks was awesome. I think he hit like four good shots and Bryson hit about zero good shots. Uh, <laughs> so like, yes, he, he he did what he had to do and he, and he made it work and, and kudos to him, but I'll probably find a different direction. Webb Simpson is 6,700. I'm certainly on the record. See ya as uh, not declaring this the year of Webb, but I'm very, very optimistic about his chances after a very strange season last season. And we just saw him do webby type things like gain nearly 10 strokes on approach at the rsm classic in his in his last start this 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 looks good to me right this looks good to me too and and i can't like if you go back 36 50 rounds it's hard to look at webb simpson there because i think he was still fighting off an injury and getting better i think he had covid he might have had a wrist injury I, i might be I might be messy. It might have been a different type of injury. I'm trying to remember. But the point is, he was still kind of emerging from that when, once the FedEx Cup playoffs started. And I think we're getting Webb Simpson probably at, at his highest comfort level, at least in recent memory. So I think the RSM Classic probably was really good evidence of that, gaining almost 10 strokes, like you said, on approach. Uh, I, I like him quite a bit in this tournament. Yeah, my understanding was uh, he had COVID and he was kind of fighting symptoms for a while. And then he had the, I think it was a neck injury that kept him out of uh, Quail Hollow, which is like in his backyard. Like for him to miss that event, you know, it was, it was something seemingly healthy. Like I I just, I just think we got to buy web a little bit here. Next up. Matt Fitzpatrick, $6,600. Matt Fitzpatrick has played 24 events this calendar year, Sia, across the globe. Eight of them have resulted in top 10 finishes, uh, including a recent runner-up at the DP World Tour Championship. He won on the European Tour uh, just a handful of starts before that in Spain. Uh, Matt Fitzpatrick, I could argue... Uh, oh, I don't know if I want to say that. I was going to say he might be the most mispriced guy. I just think he's worth more than $6,600 here. Yeah, I'm, I'm not going to agree with the most mispriced guy thing just because we just talked about Webb Simpson at 6700 yeah. and, and to me, and I, I don't want to sound disrespectful here, but I think Matt Fitzpatrick is like the, the poor man's Webb Simpson. I, and I, I just – the fact that they're back-to-back, I think the only reason to play Matt Fitzpatrick is as a contrarian play because you know people are going to be playing, let's say, Webb Simpson or they're going to be going down to like a Patrick Reed, for example. So I like Matt Fitzpatrick if we come to find out that his ownership is low. Otherwise, I'm just – I'm not there with him. He's pretty bonkers. Okay, so on Bermuda, Matt Fitzpatrick is uh, – since 2010 – the best uh, Bermuda putter in this field. Uh, Sam Burns is second, Brooks Kepka third, Harris English fourth, if you're looking for uh, the rest of that list. I, I Again, and I'll, I'll probably say this 10 more times, I cannot wait to see the ownership because that, that is really going to be uh, something interesting that I that I hope drives a lot of decisions. Next up, Terrell Hatton, sixty five hundred bucks. Another very volatile golfer. Uh, generally, when he starts going in the right, it, it, whatever direction he starts going in, that's the way he ends up finishing. He, he has a hard time kind of flipping a switch. T sixteen at the DP World Tour Championship uh, in his last start. That was just what a week ago or two weeks ago. Uh, but in his last twelve events, see, uh, six of them are top twenties. Five of them are missed cuts. So you're you're really kind of getting a, a both ends of the spectrum type golfer here. 
Yeah, so if I'm comparing, let's say, Hatton to Fitzpatrick and I want to roster one of them, it's going to be Fitzpatrick over Hatton. I, I just don't like the state of Hatton's game uh, really at all. I mean, obviously, he's he's done okay. You know, there's definitely, you know, we got the T2, we got a, a couple top 20s in there. But uh, in this field, at, at this price, I would just prefer to pivot other places. And honestly, Matt Fitzpatrick, just a side note on Matt Fitzpatrick's first game part five over the last 36 rounds. He's number four in this field, I believe. Yeah, number four in this field. So, like, I, you know, I'm looking at stuff like that, and I'm like, why would I roster Terrell Hatton when Fitzpatrick is probably going to be a similar ownership? I just can feel this, me losing all my money on Matt Fitzpatrick over the course of the next, like, three days. This is going to be great. Uh, next up, the man, the myth, the legends, Patrick Reed. He is $6,400. I guess there's a lot to unpack here. He's going back to the scene of the crime. He's played really well uh, at this event. Third place finished two years ago. That's the last time this event was held. Uh, finished fifth in 2018 season. So that would have been the end of 2017. Top 10. 10th uh, place finish uh, the year prior to that. But Sia, outside of the Bermuda Championship where he finished runner-up, uh, it has not been good golf for Patrick Reed dating back to basically the summer. So how do we reconcile um, a a prolific winner at a course that he's played really well at, but is coming in in some of the worst form we've seen in him in quite some time? Yeah, I'm going to put the emphasis on the form because it's just really bad. And it's just one of those things. And the thing is, at that price and just some of the some of the stuff I'm reading already on Patrick Reed is I think he's going to be reasonably popular because people see him as a winner, which he is. Don't get me wrong. They see what he's been doing here over the last few years, which is pretty impressive in a third and a fifth over the last three. But I, I can't reconcile that with what I've seen with the recent form. It's just it's just really, really bad. So if he's going to get any ownership, I am looking away and I'm going somewhere else and, I, and I'm, I'm seeing that as a huge positive for my lineups. I haven't decided yet. We'll see how the week goes on Patrick Reed. Harris English is next. He's $6,200. Great putter on off surfaces, especially Bermuda, although it has been uh, a little bit of a rough start to this season for all Harris English, who's played three times since the Tour Championship. Missed the cut at Shriners, lost nearly six strokes putting. That's hard to do in two rounds. Withdrew from the uh, CJ Cup. I believe that was on Saturday morning. And then he missed the cut at the RSM Classic. So th this is a really kind of stumble out of the gate for, for Harris English. Yeah, I think this is going to be one of my leverage plays. One of one of my plays that you know, hopefully is sort of you know anti the field from an ownership standpoint. Because obviously, if you look at the last few, it's it's this is a pretty bad look. But I love yeah. the ball striking with Harris English. And if you take maybe a, a more global view, like last thirty six rounds, for example, he rates out pretty well. A third strokes gained par five. Uh, sixth in DK points, if you want to factor that in, which I think you kind of should. Uh, fifth fifth in nice. putting. Uh, third around the green. Uh, he's, you know, pretty, I mean, he, you know, he kind of lacks off the tee, but the approach is kind of, you know, middle of the pack. I think he's a fine play at this price, especially if people are not going to play him. I'm going to be playing Harris English this week. I could be convinced on that. Um, I'm a, I'm generally a big Harris English fan when he's at his best, he gains across the board. So he kind of, he rarely burns you except for the last three events that he's played, but you get the idea. Uh, if he kind of gets back to his, to his, to his baseline, Harris English, uh, a, a great value at 6,200 leaves us with two more golfers. Uh, one, Justin Rose, who we know has a place 
uh, here and plays out of Albany quite a bit. That is reflected in his uh, recent form or his recent history, excuse me, three consecutive top five finishes. Um, And we're starting to see, and this comes from a pretty anti-Justin Rose guy, we're starting to see some more sustainable advanced metrics. He has not been so reliant on the putter like we saw kind of in the middle of the year last year. Yeah, you mean when he was gaining almost 12 strokes at the PGA Championship? <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what I mean, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's not the model you're looking for. Oh, I agree with you, by the way. I think Justin Rose is actually a pretty good play here. Certainly a great price. Uh, the finishing positions, fifth, third, and fifth, that's obviously, I mean, it's a 20-man field, so take that for right. what it's worth. But that's still pretty good, uh, especially for Justin Rose, who hasn't really been on the map quite as much over the last few years. Yeah, I think Justin Rose is a great play. I, the metrics don't bother me. Uh, he doesn't rate out particularly well in my model, nor should he, given his <laughs> price tag. But I, I think he's a fine play. We might be catching him at the right time a little early. Yeah, well, I, I described it as a well-rounded T12 at the RSM Classic because he gained strokes in all four major categories, which I love to see. So I would be certainly willing to take a flyer and a cheap one in that on Henrik uh, not on Henrik Stenson, on Justin Rose. Henrik Stenson's our final golfer, our 20th golfer, our defending champion, Sia. Our defending champion is $6,000. And if you look at his results uh, since that victory, you will see a lot of red squares. You will not see a lot of green ones. Two missed cuts in a row on the PGA November is this at all worth a flyer? He's the min price. We love these min price guys, don't we? We're looking for these guys. Yeah, kind of. <laughs> but but like that's where Justin Rose and Harris English come in. So yeah. one of those things where if you really want to be contrarian and you get you have some popular guys like like Sam Burns, for example, you, maybe you throw him into one of your your five lineups. But definitely not for me. I mean, it, it, I, I guess it's not on here, right? The DP World Championship results. He wasn't good there either. Forty fourth yeah. out of forty ninth, I believe. So it's just. You know, can he do okay here? Yeah, but I I would rather get my leverage with like, I think Justin Rose will be a little popular, but I'd rather get my leverage with like a Harris English, for example. All 20 golfers uh, from myself and Sia Najad. Sia, how about this before we get out of here? The pairings are already out. I, I, I love this, by the way. It's it's Monday afternoon. We know the tee times and we know the round one pairings. We would This is amazing. So a couple of interesting ones here. I'll read through them. Matthew Fitzpatrick and Terrell Hatton, fine. Scotty Scheffler and Sam Burns, interesting. Webb and Berger, that should be fairly comfortable, uh, along with English and Finau. How about this one? Patrick Reed and Abraham Answer. Do those guys Hmm. – it's like they paired up everyone else based on like college or where they're from or whatever, and they had like two guys left, and it was was Reed and – it was Reed and Answer. I'm not sure what the connection there is. Yeah, I'm, I'm not sure Answer is going to love that pairing. I think he needs somebody like a little bit more, I don't know, intense or something. Uh, I like that Scheffler-Burns pairing. I think your first round leader might emerge from that pairing. Oh, that's 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 nice. How about uh, Stenson-Hovland? Okay, the Scandinavian thing, all good there. Justin Rose and Xander Shoffley. Fine. Hmm. How about this mm-hmm. one? <laughs> Colin Morikawa and Rory McIlroy. Now we're cooking with gas. That's beautiful. Yeah, I'm. I'm. I mean, oh, th- this is great. I, I wish. I mean, it it would have been great if Bryson and Brooks were paired up again. Just throwing that out there. But <laughs> I guess that's an old kind of cliche narrative to to lob out there. But um, 
Let's see. Are there any other interesting ones here? Yeah, so the last no, two are JT and Brooks and then Bryson and Spieth, which you don't even need a, a broadcasting crew on Bryson and Spieth. Just open up the mics and let them do the talking. A hundred percent agree. I, yeah, that That's a great I, – I actually love that pairing. And I wonder – that that could be like a crash and burn situation. I really wonder how that's going to turn out because it could be just – if Bryson just continues with his bad play and Jordan Spieth hasn't been in the greatest form – um, I could see that one spiraling a little bit. <laughs> uh, we might get that. Like, so, so we might get the natural Brooks Bryson pairing with only 20 golfers in the field. And the fact that they, uh, they repair them after every round, like this is, it would not be that crazy to see. Uh, and especially cause they're both going out like the final two groups. So if they both shoot three under or whatever, and it goes by, you know, I think it's first in first out or whatever they use, like you, we really might get that Brooks Bryson pairing, uh, here at Albany. So that actually might have been purposeful having ha- having them roll out sort of towards the end of the day. They might have right. they might have been one step ahead of us on that one. That's Sia Najat. You can find him on Twitter at Sia Najat. Uh big thanks to producer Jacob does all the hard work behind the scenes. We will be back with plenty more golf slash tiger conversation uh this week. So make sure you tune in for that. You can find me at Rick Run Good, but this has been the first cut, and we'll catch you next time. Okay, picture this it's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.